Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And my God, I mean, who else is working on uh, tonight? And, t- and I'm working tomorrow morning. I'll be on uh, in place of Sid and uh, along with Dominic Carter. And we're going to have one great show for you in the morning. Uh, in the studio today, we have... Uh, only one courageous person, former <laughs> Congressman Peter King. Welcome, Peter. I'm courageous, too. And Lydia Zorana. <laughs> Great to be here. The three of us with courage. The three of us with courage. And, Braving uh, the traffic out there. I'm looking you. out the window. It's getting heavier and heavier. My Is God. it getting heavy? Yeah. It's, well, we have a great show for you today. We have, uh, starting off, where we're going to have John Solomon supposed to be talk calling in. And then uh, uh, Ty McCoy, the former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force. Dr. Sky, they lost track of that uh, uh, moon mission. Uh, Steve Moore, what's going on with the economy. And Dr. Peter Michalos, he's got some interesting things to say. But first, we have some breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. And that breaking news coming from investigative reporter extraordinaire John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, what do you have for us? Yeah, uh, big developments in the fight over abortion. As we know, the Supreme Court kicked it back to the states when it reversed Roe v. Wade. And today, the Georgia Supreme Court reinstated the state's six-week abortion ban, a ban after six weeks, uh, any abortions after six weeks. Uh, It had been struck down by a lower court. The Supreme Court said, uh, not so quickly. Uh, uh, The attorney general's office had asked for that, uh, that blockade to be lifted. And the Supreme Court did that today, saying there's no reason to not enforce the law right now, even as uh, some of the constitutionality issues are being litigated. So a pretty big uh, development in Georgia today, um, both sides in the abortion debate, pretty worked up about the decision today. Uh, Talking about the Supreme Court, uh, John, uh, how about the uh, Supreme Court on our borders? Yeah, uh, very important. Uh, there's a lot of different things going on. The, perhaps the most in, uh, important one is Title 42, the need for uh, uh, right now at the current arc, we're going to lose uh, the Title 42 enforcement capability. Border Patrol will begin to lose that, I think, in about six weeks. And there's a lot of concern that that's going to triple the amount of people crossing the border daily. We're already at record highs. A tripling will be an extraordinary uh, crushing uh, effect on uh, the Border Patrol. And one of the sad things I learned this week, I was talking to some of the Border Patrol Union, four Border Patrol agents in the last 10 days have committed suicide, despondent. Oh, my over, God. You, uh, say that job. again. Four. Four Border Patrol agents have committed wow. suicide in the last 10 days. Just despondent over the fact that the job that they came to do, they can no longer do. Uh, Border Patrol said it's the largest rash of suicide they've had in any recent memory. And we're on the border. Why did we, the, what happened in Arizona? Why did we lose Arizona? Uh, the, the Democrats won Arizona and there's nothing but uh, uh, rape and pillage. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question, right? I think uh, two, two factors happened. I, I interviewed one of the Border Patrol uh, executives uh, in the last couple of days. This is the union. And they, they work the Arizona sector. And they said that the people they talked to thought that too much time had been spent by the candidates in Arizona talking about the 2020 election and not enough on the border. They thought they were so obsessed with the 
um, uh, election that they weren't going to do anything different from Republicans on the border. That's not really true. The candidates down there were much stronger border <laughs> candidates. But for somehow, the Democrats squeaked it out. When you look at the data, it looks like the Democrats outperformed in early ballot voting. They collected more early ballots than Republicans expected, and they were able to pull that election off. But you're right. A lot of people voted against their interests, their security interests, in keeping Democrats in power. John, John this is Pete King. Were uh, people in Washington and legal experts surprised by the unanimous Supreme Court ruling against President Trump on his taxes? I thought there was a separation of powers issue there, but apparently the court just totally disregarded that or rejected yeah. it. Yeah. I think a lot of the legal experts were surprised. Uh, it clearly shows that Congress has an oversight authority that the court views as expansive. Uh, and uh, but I think some people, particularly the strict constitutionalists, thought it was going to go at least be a more divided court. But it was pretty unanimous. And uh, it seems like uh, that transmission of documents will be occurring any day soon. Now, uh, remember that we've seen most of the information in the Trump tax returns because they got leaked a couple of years ago. Uh, so I don't think there'll be any big surprises. But the principle that a, a president's uh, personal financial records can be so easily obtained by Congress. I, I've got to put this in the category of Democrats. Watch what you wish for. Almost certainly the lawmakers I've talked to in the last couple of days, they're going to use the same Supreme Court precedent to go get the secret bank records of uh, Hunter Biden and his father to find out how much money they were exchanging between them. So I think this ruling is going to boomerang around Democrats once Republicans take control in January. Uh, uh, John, John Solomon, uh, the fact is the Supreme Court voted uh, in uh, 35 days, 34 days. Uh, you're going to have a new Congress Yep. So the old Congress that uh, filed the complaint with the Supreme Court, how long can Donald Trump or President Trump wait before he turns over those records? Well, remember, it's the Treasury Department it's, that it's will the be Treasury turning over. It's going to come from the IRS. So I don't oh, think President, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I think this transmission probably occurs. Um, and... Uh, Again, it was a fight over principle because most of the information in President Trump's uh, tax records were leaked a couple of years ago. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of surprises. Uh, but the principle is there. And now Democrats who created that principle, may, may uh, they're going to see it turned around on them. I've talked to James Comer, the House Oversight Committee chairman. He's determined to get very sensitive bank records showing exactly what Hunter Biden and Joe Biden might have been swapping in their bank accounts. That's going to become a big story come January. John Solomon, you're down in D.C. There's a story that came out, according to Politico, Chinese drones over D.C. raising security, uh, spying fears. Chinese-made drones have breached restricted airspace above the nation's capital hundreds of times in recent months. What are you hearing about this? Yeah, listen, this is something that we've, uh, there was a briefing uh, to lawmakers on the Senate Homeland Security Committee just a couple of uh, days ago. Latest update, we've been seeing these uh, drones appear. Sometimes they're Americans flying them, but because they're made by the Chinese drone company, DJI, there is a significant concern that the Chinese might be tapping into the video and surveillance footage, even if an American's innocently using it. Big concern about that. Um, uh, a lot of people, Marco Rubio was reacting about it today. Uh, I think he said any technological product with origins in China or Chinese company holds a real risk and potential vulnerability for American security. Uh, and we're beginning to see both Republicans and Democrats start to step up on the issue of China. When Joe Biden first came in, Democrats were pretty much in lockstep with him that China wasn't a, a threat. But over the last mm -hmm. few days, a few months, you're seeing people like Mark Warner, the Intelligence Committee chair, learning so much more about Chinese malintentions. 
he came out uh, surprising I mentioned three or four weeks ago actually in an interview with Justin News and said Donald Trump was right about TikTok TikTok is stealing people's personal data and helping the Chinese communist government remember when Donald Trump said that two years ago he was called a xenophobe now uh, most of the Democrats and Republicans in Washington agree the president, former president, was correct. My God, they agree on something finally. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, uh, what happens? And President Trump was not very nice uh, to the entire Supreme Court based on on that ruling. Yes, well, as you know, Donald Trump likes to react with uh, uh, the most provocative uh, reaction. I don't think that's going to change. Uh, second, third uh, run for president. I think we're used to the sort of way that the president uh, reacts to these sort of things. Um, but again, I think that ruling is going to boomerang around. I think Democrats are going to wish they didn't pursue that because the, the sensitive bank records that show what Hunter Biden and Joe Biden might have been sharing is joint bank accounts. We now know that President Biden's taxes were actually done for a few years by Hunter Biden. Wow, and that, uh, yeah, that's in the laptop emails that I made public a few months ago. And in one of those, uh, it said that Hunter Biden is told you can keep your father's tax return because he owes you so much money. So what is that about? Uh, that's going to become a big issue, I think, in January. You're going to hear a lot more about those emails back in January. It's just scary what you know what, what we're, we're learning about the president of the United States and his son. Yeah, I mean, look, no all fathers support their sons, but this is the whole country's at stake. Yeah, and it may be the other way around. It may have been the son supporting the father. That's what some of the evidence seems to suggest. Wow. As Hunter Biden gathered more and more foreign business, he was supporting his father more and more. Well, money-wise, the son is supporting the father, but I'm talking about uh, when the president of the United States, you know, the country depends on him. Yes. The son doesn't give a damn. That's right. Nope. Now, that's the big question. Is the president compromised by all of these foreign deals? And we're going to hear a lot more about that. That's going to become a regular conversation in D.C. come January. And this, goes, and, and this goes back to the whole issue of how uh, Facebook and social media just totally shut that story down during the during the campaign. If that had come out, that could have definitely turned things around. They did. They did, starting with my work at the Hill in 2019 and then all through 2020. And we now know that every aspect of those stories turned out to be true. And uh, a lot of voters say, hey, if I knew that was true, I might have changed my vote in 2020. That may have been the single biggest interference in the 2020 election. Well, the same thing happened in Pennsylvania because uh, how many people voted for Fetterman before they knew he was unconscious? (laughs) Yeah, it's 100,000 early ballots. Well, many many more than that. I heard it was as much as 400. Right. Right. And then uh, Elon Musk in Twitter, by the way, he found in the closet in Twitter headquarters a stash of stay woke T-shirts. So here are the same people that are saying that, hey, we're not we're not partisan at all. Disney's board of directors finally came to Jesus. You know, they realized go woke, go broke. That's right. That's why they brought uh, back Bob Iger. Mm -hmm. That's it. Well, thank you so much, John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you all. Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We're back. And uh, uh, again, we continue with a great show. John Solomon was really good and giving us all. He is first class. I I can't believe. What do you say? In the last week, four Border Patrol people committed suicide? 
That, that is disgraceful. And, oh, my God. Well, imagine the pressure they're under and the frustration they have. You combine uh, the two you know, of it. And they, you know, they said they couldn't do their job, and they were really upset about it. Mm-hmm. And they're under pressure. Their lives are in danger, and they can't you know, be allowed to do their job. It's terrible. And now it's a good friend of mine coming on. We have uh, Ty McCoy. He was the U.S. Assistant Secretary for the Air Force from 1981 to 1989, also graduating from West Point. And I could go on and on about his achievements. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you, and happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving, Ty. And uh, Ty is one of the real loyal Americans, a West Pointer. <laughs> Ty, uh, we in the last few days, we've been talking back and forth about a lot of subjects. Which one do you want to start with? Well, I think the uh, there's a lot of uh, news that's uh, pretty new pieces uh, that are part of the great Chinese uh uh, swarm uh, coming against us, such as the drones and things like that. But How real is that? Means, so this is Pete King. That is a scary story, if that's true. Wow. About the it, drones. It is. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of a swarming thing. It's almost like guerrilla warfare uh, using swarms of drones. They they sell a bunch of drones to a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, amateurs that fly them around and have fun, and then they can mix in with the amateurs, and there's no telling where all of the live and, and stored video feeds go back to just like TikTok. So this is sort of the drone version of TikTok. They're just collecting increasing amounts of information, which uh, they can parse and use against us in a variety of different ways. And so it's a little uh, dangerous, and it's a, a sort of a form of aggression, if you would, the same way TikTok is with our youth. So it's uh, certainly just one of it seems like a thousand vectors that the Chinese government has uh, found their ability to use. A thousand different sectors and a thousand different uh, areas. And, and Ty, you live in, in Virginia, Washington area. What was this I read that they want to convert all the uh, the gas ovens and, and to, to electricity? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, you've got people trying to uh, pass legislation to completely mm-hmm. shut down uh, anybody that either lends money or consumes uh, oil and gas, uh, trying to uh, stop people from buying cars, financing cars. So everything that is part of this uh, now, ridiculous uh, green ideology uh, is uh, basically, uh, you know, involved in trying to uh, destroy the, the infrastructure of the United States. Ty, if you have electric ovens and if you have electric cars and, and, and something goes wrong with the grid, you won't be able to drive, you won't be able to eat, you won't be able to do anything. I mean, who is leading this attack against the United States? Well, it seems like the, the elites in our country who have adopted this green religion, green agenda, uh, are are involved in it. It's a little bit like uh, in, in the 70s, we had the nuclear disarmament movement in Europe and the United States where we're supposed to just disarm ourselves and let other people have the power to dictate and take over our country. So uh, a lot of it is a power play. Uh, the people that have the oil and gas tend to be in red states. They tend to be more conservative. They tend to be more patriotic. And the people who don't have it tend to be in the blue states and have have offices and jobs with with big uh, big academia and big media and so it's really part of an overall uh, war between people who are uh, trying to have the United States be independent and very strong and those who wish us to be uh, controlled by a central government that they dominate 
Secretary, going back to the drones, do you believe that the intelligence community and the Pentagon are taking that threat seriously enough? I don't believe they are. I think that uh, a lot of times, the having been in the intelligence community, CIA, DIA, NSA, and the National Security Council staff, uh, they are told a lot of times by the policymakers sort of what they want to hear. So you'd think that the intelligence community will just report the facts. But in, 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 uh, in fact, they don't report just the facts. They sort of report what they think the, the policymakers, their bosses, want to hear. And so they tend to ignore obvious things such as the Confucius Institute, such as this uh, drone uh, phenomena that is happening. Uh, many things that are uh, obvious to, uh, you know, the reasonably well-informed observer uh, do not make it up as part of the intelligence uh, threat or the intelligence mix that policymakers are supposed to react to and supposed to develop solutions for. So it's really uh, a sad thing, which is one of the reasons I left the intelligence community years ago and went to the policy community and the political side, because those are the only people that, with some courage and uh, stamina, will call out the facts uh, that are, you know, that our, our eyes are seeing. So the elites would, would ask us to, to not believe our lying eyes. Secretary McCoy, shifting gears to Ukraine, it appears that the Russians are trying to weaponize winter. There are reports that 80 percent of Ukraine is now without power. Uh, What are you hearing? I'm hearing the same thing, and I think the Russians uh, are in big trouble, and so they're trying for something that really amounts to almost a genocide. You know, the battle goes on on many fronts, uh, the battlefields, strategic economics, diplomacy, disinformation, cyber, logistics, and the passage of time uh, helps the Ukrainians. And so the, the Russians don't want uh, the time to pass except for the period of winter coming up. And if they can uh, disable uh, the energy grid, uh, to uh, let the people really uh, be troubled and freeze to death and, and not be able to move around in their country, not have water, not have other things. Uh, they think that that might crack the Ukrainian political uh, leadership and the army to uh, give up and negotiate. And they've even started talking about buying Iranian uh, ballistic missiles so that they can more easily target the uh, Ukrainian power stations and knock out the, the grid because they're running short of munitions themselves. And I also heard recently that the Israelis have now offered the Ukrainians ballistic missiles, uh, the Lorod ballistic missile, to fire back at uh, at the, the sites. But the problem is, as you can see, it begins to escalate because if the Russians are launching these ballistic missiles that they bought from Iran from Russian territory, the Ukrainians are going to want to strike back at those sites, and those sites might be on Russian homeland territory, not Ukrainian-occupied territory. So you begin to see the uh, escalation uh, that would, uh, you know, begin to to reach across uh, otherwise uh, lines that have have been drawn and contained. So it's becoming more uh, dangerous, and there are some things that the West and the Ukrainians can do to fight uh, this uh, effort to freeze them to death. And I can talk a little bit about that if you want also. Go ahead, please. I mean, it's our job to deliver the truth to the American people. Well, one of the things that in, in looking at winter warfare, uh, the uh, Germans uh, got in big trouble by outrunning their logistics, as did Napoleon Bonaparte and fighting the Russians in winter. 
And uh, the Russians should remember that because they were able to triumph both times. And now they're sort of trying the same thing on the Ukrainians. They've become overextended. They're in very cold weather. Uh, the Ukrainians are fighting on their own territory. And if the West would classify what the Russians are doing as a genocidal thing, uh, increase sanctions, uh, flood the country with warm clothes and food, because with warm clothes and food, uh, the body manufactures its own heat. So it may be very unpleasant, but if you can get enough food in there and get it distributed, including all this huge numbers of meals ready to eat and all the things that uh, we prepare our Cold War warrior, uh, Cold War fighters for, and just flood the zone and, and get that into the Ukrainians and make it clear that this effort to uh, checkmate the Ukrainians with a cold and free freezing type winter for their population is not going to work on the ground. And it's also not going to work diplomatically because the hammer is going to come down even harder on the Russians. And I think that that uh, winter war threat of genocide, it needs to be amped up. It needs to be messaged. It needs to, needs to you know, to be addressed at the UN. Uh, there needs to be action taken by the Congress uh, to let the Russians know we recognize what they are trying to do, and we have an answer to that, as we have had an answer to their other. Uh, well, we're trading with them anyway, in other in other ways. I mean, it, it seems like you know, Ty, me and you have been around for a long time, uh, and, and and it seems like uh, Dwight Eisenhower what he said. What do you remember what he said? Beware. Well, he said that uh, you know, if you're not prepared for for war, you won't have peace. Is one thing. Yes, that for sure for that. And also beware of the great military-industrial complex. Indeed, indeed. There's because, a lot uh, of Russians they, dying. There's a lot of Ukrainians dying, and uh, you know, and you wonder now, how about that uh, discussion me and you had the other day about all those holocers that Germany sent, and they're all out of whack already. Did they clean out their their, their warehouses of all the junk they wanted to get rid of? Well, they may have because. In war, everybody is trying to just, uh, uh, you know, there's a number of people trying to help the, the good people and, and help them sustain themselves and get freedom and so forth. But there's always a lot of, uh, you know, traitors and uh, people who are trying to make money, trying to get rich during times of destruction and confusion. And there's very likely a lot of things being sold and shipped and, and high prices being paid for things that aren't really uh, all that useful. So uh, we have to watch that. Uh, you know, a lot of these things get revealed after the war is done. Uh, some of them while the war is done by courageous reporters and courageous journalists uh, such as yourself, and you bring them to the notice of the people. Uh, so there, there is always uh, a lot of uh, evil, even on the on the side of the good people. And well, I'm sorry, Harry, to be was that how uh, Harry Truman became uh, first well known when he uh, exposed what was going on, you know, during the corruption during World War Two. You know, a lot of the uh, arms suppliers. Yeah, he did really had great hearings on that, and I think that's the reason uh, Franklin Roosevelt selected him in 1944 to be his vice president, his fourth indifferent vice president. Uh, and uh, he turned out to be a great one and a great president. But he was someone that uh, did not take uh, anybody's, uh, you know, shenanigans, and he called people out. He got things done. He never took any money that he wasn't supposed to. He actually retired with no pension whatsoever. There was no presidential pension in those days. He lived with his mother-in-law when he went back to, to uh, Missouri. And um, so he's a very unusual person that is uh, everybody 
should uh, look to and emulate uh, as we we do many of our other later uh, office holders. So uh, after all those people. years of hard work, he had to live with his mother-in-law. Oh, my God. Yes, for a while. And I think uh, <laughs> finally the Congress got around to uh, doing something in that regard. But he uh, was an unusual uh, person. And, of course, we've had some great presidents, uh, including Reagan and others that have come uh, come and gone with with great uh, diplomacy and great uh, integrity and great strength and a great understanding of the enemy and how to combat the enemy, uh, which Reagan learned about during the uh, time when he was the only uh, president of a union, the Screen Actors Guild, and dealing with the communist infiltration of Hollywood in the early 1950s. And so it takes a certain amount of uh, of knowledge, firsthand knowledge, to learn these lessons, and and in the meantime, yeah. to be yes. telling the story that that you tell uh, very uh, good with and, all and your Dr. Mihalos just uh, just texted me, and he says the Russians are experts in winter uh, winter fighters and winter warfare. Well, they are, but they they have the uh, capability to do that. But I think uh, the the Russians. When they went up against the Finns in 1939, the Russians lost 300,000 people and the Finns lost 65,000 and wow. they were defeated. Uh, and the Finns stopped them cold because they were actually better winter fighters and, and the Swedes were than the Russians. So the Russian military yeah. has decayed and degraded very badly. We're out of time. Secretary Ty McCoy, thank you for your loyalty to America and your, your speaking out for America. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless all of you. Thank all you, Secretary. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. It's nice and dark out. Oh, and it looks like the, the traffic is clearing up, John. And how far up the East Coast and where can we hit that people can well, hear right us? Right now, our signal goes from uh, uh, the Bahamas. Davy Jones' locker is uh, <clears throat> Curtis Lee, I would say, mm-hmm. all the way up to Canada and Northern Europe. Wow. Wow. Okay. And uh, we have Steve Cates with us. That's and I why understand I want- mm-hmm. there was a problem, Steve. Uh, with, uh, was there a problem with the, uh, the rocket or the Artemis? Yes, good evening, John, and happy Thanksgiving to you and the listeners out there. You're absolutely right. Early this morning, Friday, NASA temporarily lost track with the Artemis Orion moon mission, but things are looking good now. We don't know exactly what might have happened, but remember, folks, John and everybody, that this particular spacecraft is loaded with a lot of high technology. It's not your old 1970s Apollo-type spacecraft, but things look good, John, and everybody listening. What's going to happen is the particular Orion spacecraft is now going to take a high arc above the moon, some 40,000 miles away from the lunar surface, out and beyond into the universe. This is something that's never been done before. The Apollo 13 astronauts, when they made their salvage return, thank God they made it, they were considered to be the farthest humans from the Earth because of the high arc orbit. But what's amazing is this particular videos that we've been seeing, weren't they amazing? The particular Orion got within 80 miles of the lunar surface. It's doing all this, John. It's trying to do something interesting. It's trying to create a new orbit. So someday when we build a gateway space station around the moon, it is a necessary orbit. So things look good for Orion right now, and it's really an impressive mission, though a long-awaited one, don't you think? 
Any any of the surprises? Uh, I heard you talking to Frank Morano at at one o'clock in the morning, and and you yes. said that the moon surface uh, sur- uh, surface on on uh, the, the the side that we usually see versus the side that we don't see. What did you say about that? Well, what I was saying is somebody called in and was wondering about the other side of the moon called the far side. And I was simply saying that all the excitement, if you're going to look at the lunar surface with the various areas that have those so-called seas, the mare, the far side is really just without, it's mostly cratered. So what I was trying to say is, and concluding on, that there's going to be a whole new moon economy here. And what we're talking about is the ability to harvest lunar material, something called the hydrogen-3 isotope. And if we could harvest this material in the future, it might be a gateway for us to have to not depend on so many fossil fuels. But this is probably in the distant future. But it looks good, John, for the economic side as we can get to the surface of the moon. So many countries around the world, the privatized side and NASA, there'll be a whole big industry, bigger than we can imagine now, even bigger than what Elon has and what Jeff Bezos is going you know, to do and trying to get up into space. So the future looks good, at least for an economic uh, upturn and uptick in the future for a moon economy and a space economy. So, Dr. Sky, I'm going to go far out there. Yes. Or, or, okay, what, what do the aliens look like? You know, I wish I knew, Lydia, but I've got to tell you something. Every week on this show, we talk about something called the mystery of the week. And it's so apropos that you bring this up. The question would be, what do aliens look like? Gee, I don't know, but... <clears throat> Many sci-fi movies sure indicate what they do. But how about this? Have we ever received a signal from space that we can't figure out? And yes, we have. It was called the wow signal. An astronomer named Jerry Eamon, an astronomer with Ohio State's Big Ear Telescope back on August 15, 1977, he actually captured a signal that to this day we cannot interpret and understand. It lasted for 72 seconds And astronomers have scratched their heads, Lydia, to try to figure out what that was. It was the most prolific example. If there is any intelligent life out there, I can just tell you what the signal sounded like. You know, a lot of different beeps and sounds like a real radio transmission. But I sure can't tell you what they look like at this point. I don't even know if aliens exist. But John Katzmatidis, you have a strong feeling about aliens, right? You say they they totally exist? Well, I I didn't say they totally exist, but uh, don't forget what... uh, uh, what we were told that uh, uh, we were made in uh, God's image, right? Mm-hmm. So whoever, yes. whoever our creator was, and I, I think we're much too complex not to have a creator. Uh, Absolutely. Then, uh, then 100%. I asked one uh, archbishop at one point, uh, many many years ago. I said, uh, uh, "What do you think, uh, your Eminence?" And you know what his answer was? Mm. What makes you think that God only left his seeds on this planet? Mm. Wow. Very interesting. And that's true, because imagine this, of all the stars that we know of, obviously, our sun, the life giver for everything, who are we to say that we're the only life form when you have billions and trillions of stars, and evidence shows that we now have exoplanets out there around other star systems that actually may mimic life or mimic the size or the shape of the Earth and maybe have the organic molecules that create life to sustain it. And one of the last theories is something called panspermia is that comets, they have seeded the organic material in the course of history over billions of years so that these comets, if they do strike the earth, they do cause damage. But they may also be the regeneration of life in that most simplistic form. But Lydia, I still don't know what the heck the aliens look like. (laughs) 
Well, you never know. It could well, be like the Twilight Zone. Dr. Sky, thank you so much. And uh, Steve, otherwise known as Steve Cates, have a great Thanksgiving. And, and now he's a correspondent with us. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you can find Dr. Sky's uh, on our WABC radio website. And uh, Tell us about your podcast real quick. Well, I'm so proud to be part of this. And again, thank you, John. And thank you for everything that you've been doing. It's simply called the Dr. Sky Experience. Many interviews with those in the worlds of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather. But, John, over the years, I've always done another show called A Call to Rights. In those interviews that we also interlace there, there's interviews about American exceptionalism, about people who made great sacrifices to keep our country free. And as you folks say so well, as we continue to talk about this, it's always about truth, justice, and the American way. And that's what the Dr. Sky experience compromises, both science and American exceptionalism. And thank you so much for everyone and to everyone you, out there. Thank you so much. And happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thank you, sir. And uh, now <clears throat> we're going to be going to Steve Moore to find out what the heck is going on in our country with the, with the economics. And I've been yelling and screaming that you keep raising interest rates and our real estate industry is going kaput. Uh, Steve Moore, our number, uh, one of our top two or three economists in the country. Tell us what's going on. Hi, John. Good to be with you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the whole gang there. Uh, And by the way, I will be on this Saturday at 1 p.m. for the More Money Show. So looking forward to that. We're not taking the weekend off. Uh, I'll be here listening. I know you. <laughs> In fact, I want to have you on, my friend. So here's the uh, here's the situation. Look at you mentioned housing. You know the housing starts uh, and the housing sales have just fallen off a cliff in the last few months. Now, John, you know the reason for that, right? You're in the real estate industry. Nobody it, wants to pay seven percent for a new mortgage exactly. on a new house. That's exactly right. Now, the rates have come down to about 6.5% in the last few weeks, so that's some relief, but it's still, you know what the rate was when Trump left office? Uh, less than 3%. So those rises in uh, in the mortgage rates, you know, make it much more expensive to buy a new house. And by the way, if you're selling a house, you get a bad deal, too, because people can't pay as much for the home that you're selling. So I'm worried about that. I do not believe that we're out of the woods on the inflation story, John. You know, you may have seen the story on Fox News today that the average cost of just providing Thanksgiving dinner up 20 percent from last year. And, And incidentally, when I said on uh, the More Money Show this past weekend that inflation was 8.5%. People got angry at me, and they said, what are you talking about? It's higher than that because my food costs, my transportation costs, my energy costs, my home heating costs are up you know, 15 20%. So people are in a, in a bad mood because prices are, are rising so quickly. Steve, now, does the Fed put out – I'll go back to you again, uh, Peter. No, sure. Uh, the Fed put out a – was it the yep. Fed that put it out or the Fed president put it out this afternoon on Bloomberg News? That uh, they're, they're worried about the, uh, they might change the December outlook? Yeah, I tell saw that. They, and they made, tell us about it. And, well, I, I'm still trying to decipher it. You know, when the Fed speaks, sometimes you have to try to, uh, you know, figure out what exactly they're saying. But the market interpreted what they said today, John, as that, that they may not raise interest rates as, as often in the future as they had originally suspected. And so the market reacted positively to that because, as you know, your friends in Wall Street are addicted to the cheap money from the Fed. And so, um, you know, we'll see how this turns out. But look, if the Fed pauses on raising <clears throat> rates, that could make inflation even worse next year, as you know. There are several major economists and, and, and heads of banks like Jamie Dimon who are saying they think that we're headed to recession next year because we've got uh, you know so much inflation that we have to sweat out of the economy. 
Uh, Peter King, uh, you, uh, you had a question? Yeah, you know, Steve, it's great talking with you. Oh, I yeah. want to follow up on something too. we had discussed the other day. With all the bad indicators in the economy, including a lack of confidence in the economy, why is there so much consumer spending? Well, that's a great question. I think the answer is pretty clear because the government's just pouring money into people's pockets. Remember that, uh, that Joe Biden has spent $4 trillion uh, in the last two years. And then in the last months of, of the uh, Trump administration, you know, and I argued against this with the president, we, we put in a trillion dollars. So there's so much money sloshing around in the economy, but it's not connected to productive right. work and it's not productive, you know, connect, connected to productive services. So my question, Peter, and you know, you were in Washington, what happens when the, the money runs out? I was what, going to ask happens? you, yeah, what happens when that's gone? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe John Katsimides knows the answer to that question. He's a great business. Businessman, but it can't go on forever. You and the other thing that really bothers me, gentlemen, is that you're seeing now a trillion dollars of the, uh, trillion dollars of consumer debt, most of it on their credit cards. Well, you can't just keep borrowing month after month after month on your credit card. That story, Peter, doesn't have a happy ending. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. Uh, we got about a minute left, uh, Steve yeah. Moore. Tell us, yeah. uh, tell the American people, should they go out and spend, spend, spend? Should they go out and, and take a vacation, enjoy life? Tell us. No. Well, we've been doing that for the last couple of years. We've been spending beyond our means. I think it's time for people to maybe hunker down a little bit. Now, you, you obviously, John, I still want you to get me that expensive Christmas present you were promising me. But, <laughs> but you know, so get your loved ones, you know, good Christmas presents. But, no, we got to become a more productive society. And, John, you know what we need? We need workers, American workers, to get back on the job. We've, we're missing four million workers. You're absolutely right there. Right. And DiNapoli just came out with a new state report that despite the rest of the country being on track with growing the workforce here in New York State, we're still down about 400,000 jobs. So it's It's uh, happening all over the country. And you know why? Because we're paying people not to work. Let's give incentives for people to work, not incentives to, you know, and by the way, your buddy of mine, John, uh, Larry Kudlow says it's not only, you know, productive, you, you know, people are working are healthier. They're happier. They live longer. It's better for their families. And so we need people back in the workforce. Absolutely. Amen. Thank you so much, Steve. More, more money. One o'clock, right? Every Saturday. And you it, you will be live and you're not taking the weekend off. And, uh, Steve. I am not. Thank you. <laughs> Cats at night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Well, we're back, and uh, Curtis Sliwa is calling in from the Upper West Side of Manhattan, uh, where the um, Macy's is lining up all their uh, floats and all their uh, balloons. Curtis Sliwa, tell us what's going on. Well, right outside the Museum of Natural History, you have grandparents, parents, children, grandchildren. There's a lot of excitement because not only do you have the floats, all the floats that are here with the turkey, which comes towards the end, and then you have the uh, St. Bernard with the uh, rum jug, no rum in it, but now they're pumping up the balloons. So Ronald McDonald, Papa Smurf, Pikachu, Pillsbury Doughboy, and the biggest of all, SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> There's so no Curtis Lee float or Curtis no. Lee balloon. 
No, unless you call Daffy Duck Curtis Sliwa, but uh, <laughs> no Curtis Sliwa balloon yet, that's for sure. But I understand but, the weather is decent. It's in the 50s, and there's no high wind, so people should go out there and, and, and bring their kids and show them all, all the balloons. Yeah, and even if they close off the streets later on, if you get there late, you can still see all the balloons because they're positioned for the march. So don't don't keep yourself away. It's the perfect night to be out there. Give your children and grandchildren the uh, surprise of their life. And the best thing about it, John, it doesn't cost anything. It's free. That's the right price. Well, thank you. Thank you, Curtis. And uh, I'll see you in the morning. I'm doing the 6 to 10 o'clock show, and I'm sure you'll, you'll be sleeping somewhere in one of these studios. That's for sure. And then I'm on from 10 to 1. So it's all live and local at WABC on Thanksgiving. Always broadcasting Curtis, always broadcasting cats, one or the other. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Curtis Sliwa, and uh, enjoy. And I hope you yeah, you take your uh, kids to, 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 to see those balloons. They're beautiful. Oh, they've seen them before, and they're going to see them again, especially Anthony. Thank you. And now we're going to go to... Uh, well, we were supposed to go to Dr. Peter. Oh, you know, I have a question for you, John. Do you yes. ever worry that they'll go after the Thanksgiving Day Parade? They're going after Columbus. They're going after all these things the, that the make America great. The, the NYPD does a good job protecting no, everybody. No, no, no. I mean like woke The woke culture? Yeah, well, that's what, what I mean. Look what happened to Disney. They had to bring back the, the old chairman because the new chairman... Didn't didn't realize you go woke, you go broke. One difference, though, is they had Ron DeSantis down there leading the charge. Would New York be willing to, to fight back? Yeah, the new call signs are go woke, go broke. Right, okay. because, I mean, they could say, hey, Thanksgiving is celebrating a holiday where we invaded and took over and right. committed a Don't genocide against the Native Americans. With, with Disney, about that woman that was the head of diversity, and she, and she takes her five, two five-year-olds, or the five and a six-year-old, and try to... Changed it. Right. They're both trans or something. And oh my God. And now in San Francisco, they're saying there's 130 genders. It's quite a new world. But you That's, know who can tell us how, how many. Say, where's it at? That's a lot of. But you know who can tell us how many genders there really are, what's really going on in the world? We have Dr. Peter Mikolos, our resident medical genius. How Dr. many genders are there, Dr. Peter Mikolos? <laughs> it's uh, way beyond my pay grade. <laughs> Now, you, you were listening in when I was on with uh, former Secretary uh, Ty McCoy, and uh, you had some, uh, some uh, things to say. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to say that uh, throughout history, uh, the Russians, people confuse uh, Soviet Union and Russia. And uh, what happens is that the Russians actually, without them, we would have never won World War II, and they wait for the winter. And uh, also with Napoleon Bonaparte, they beat him because they're great at fighting winter battles. The other issue that nobody talks about is the Ukrainians' fuel depots. Most of them have been bombed out. They don't really have fuel to fight a winter war. The Russians have plenty of fuel to fight a winter war. So people, you know, don't, don't uh, never underestimate what might happen based on history. And uh, the general referred to the Finnish in 1939. There was a battle November 30th with the Finnish. But they were fighting in 1939, basically the Bolsheviks and the Soviet Union. 30 million Russians were already killed by the Bolsheviks, and they were already weakened. They couldn't even make bullets or had guns or not even enough ammunition. So that's not a really a fair comparison. Yeah, the Russian 30, army of World 30 War million Russians. You know, you got to say that slowly to, to comprehend the meaning of 30 million Russians. 
Yeah, absolutely. When the Bolsheviks took over, they basically, they were the the super left communist of the time, and they basically banned Christianity. They destroyed the Orthodox Christian Church in Russia. They killed the priests. They shut down the monasteries and churches, and that was the Soviet Union. So, And also, people need to look at history. Look up, for our listeners, look up Battle of the Ice from 1246, April 5th, and you'll see the history, how Russia was basically a, a Western and an Eastern part, and they fought it out in the Battle of the Ice on a famous battle. And if your listeners look it up, some of the same things happening today and the same borders. By the way, uh, Dr. Michalos is also a historian. Yeah, I would say, though, Dr. Michalos, one difference is the Russian army has disgraced itself in this war. I mean, they're taking on a minor country, and they've lost almost every battle. So th- this is not the same Russian yeah. army we saw in World War II or the Soviet army. Well, again, you have to understand the Russian soldiers aren't really fighting it. If you really look at it, they have hired mercenaries from the Wagner group and those are so that they don't uh, bring a lot of body bags back to Russia. They have hired hired guns doing most of the fighting when you start looking uh, really close at what's happening. So the Wagner group is basically like uh, a mission, a mercenary group. Okay, okay so where is the Russian army? Wait, wait, wait. We got, you know, we got to, we got to, go ahead, finish that, the and Russian then we army, have to get off to a real yeah, subject. Yeah, the, the, basically in World War Two, a million men marched out of Siberia suddenly, and that's how they beat the Germans. And the the, the Russians haven't even used their uh, army yet. They've been using mercenaries. So if you start looking at it really closely, they haven't used their full force. Uh, I, yet, I, that's I, a whole other battle. I think battle. you have more confidence today. in the Russians than I do. Uh, Again, again, uh, right, again, it's not about confidence. I'm just talking about history. Yeah, but his, I don't, that, you know, history is in the past, and the current, you know, the current history is pretty poor for Russia. Well, no, they got all the fuel and the oil, though. Ukrainians. I'm don't talking have about any the army. I'm talking fuel. about the army. Yeah, well, the army is just the reports we're hearing here. They haven't even unleashed their air force yet. So again, you got you have to really, really look at it and. And we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll talk let's about wait it again in about three Switching minutes. gears. Dr. Mihalos, let's switch gears. We wanted, yeah. to, you had some revelations that you talked to us about before uh, about the people that are smoking marijuana. Yeah, well, one of the problems is, like, for example, let's start off with cigarettes. When you smoke cigarettes, the guy smoking it off the filter is actually getting less toxins than the poor innocent person. Or if you're in a car with a child or your spouse, and they're actually getting the smoke off the tip of the cigarette, that's much more toxic. And going to marijuana, when you're in a room with the person who's smoking a joint or marijuana and your job requires drug testing, we're going to start seeing, and there have been some reported cases of people testing positive in their drug testing who aren't even marijuana smokers, but they were exposed to secondhand smoke. So we're going to start hearing more about this. And getting back to cigarettes, we now know that, of course, Smoking causes lung cancer, but it also causes something called macular degeneration, like a fourfold increased incidence. So when you meet people who have macular degeneration, a degenerative disease of the back of the eye, and you speak to them, they'll say, you ask them, were you a smoker or married to one? 90 plus percent of the time, they'll say, yeah, how did you know? Wow. Because it now turns out we don't even know how the smoke on the molecular level gets into the eyes through the bloodstream. So that's fascinating. The other thing that's really interesting is the Duke University study that nobody's really talking about, where they found this uh, gene called the DLGAP2 gene, and it, it, it's, it, there's alterations on the gene, and they think that that can result in uh, possibly autism. And uh, it's a uh, gene linked to autism undergoes these mutations when you're exposed to marijuana. But the good news is they also found that if you 
abstained from marijuana for 77 days and they tested those same men, the fresh sperm that was produced did not have as much damage. So if you plan on having any children and you're a pothead out there, uh, please consider waiting and abstaining before you. So we had the bad news and we had the good news. Thank you for both. And then uh, the other thing is when, you know, we're going to start seeing more of what I call DW high instead of DWI with more car accidents and impaired people driving. And unfortunately, police don't have a good testing mechanism right now to see, especially with these high THC levels that are in these new cigarettes and also some of these gummy forms and people are ingesting. So there is not a really good test when you pull someone over. But sometimes it's pretty obvious the way some people are driving, as we can see on the highway. And we're going to be seeing more of that with uh, marijuana. And it is a gateway drug. When I worked at Rikers Island and did interviews on inmates, uh, when I worked as a doctor there, they all said that their gateway drug was marijuana, and that's where they started. But the marijuana in the old days was 2 or 3% uh, THC. Now it's up to 20 to 30%. And one hospital, I was talking to a doctor in San Diego, he said that they sometimes get 20 young people, teenagers in their 20s with marijuana psychosis coming in and filling up their ERs in California. So uh, we're going to be hearing a lot more. And the other fascinating thing was intergenerational inherited damage from the marijuana where it damages the sperm and that sperm gets passed on that's damaged in those genes to the child. And then that child can give it to his children and grandchildren. So that's something also new. And again, this is not my opinion. This is Duke University. You can look it all up. It's uh, there, Susan Murphy. If you're going to have children, you better stop smoking marijuana. And God only knows what it does to women's eggs because we don't make new eggs. We are born with the number of eggs we'll ever have for a lifetime. Yep. Anyway, just listen to WABC to get more health tips and history. And uh, And Dr. Michalos, happy happy Thanksgiving and uh, have a great Thanksgiving day. And and, uh, what do we stand for in this uh, show? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. God God bless everybody, every American out there and every American out there, whether you're American or whatever, have a great Thanksgiving. God bless. Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.